Hey friends, welcome back to the Living Truth Podcast. This is Kristen Carey hosting again, and this is the second part of a two-part series that I am recording with my dear friend and adoptive family member, Heather Scriba. Um, if you haven't listened to the first part of this series, I highly recommend that to get yourself more context. Here's where we left off. Heather was just talking about realizing how deep her pain and her wounds and her need for nurture and love and care from God, how big those were and how much these little parts of herself were screaming out for attention. In this episode, we're going to dive more into some of the powerful healing things that God began to do in her life, namely um, jumping into living in a, a discipleship Christian community with intentional inner healing uh, and prayer modalities entailed. And so without further ado, I give you the rest of this episode with Heather. That. It was amazing to watch that happen. I remember when you moved in with Jess and we're in a discipleship situation like day in and day out and yeah. starting to do a lot of inner healing work, a lot of inner healing prayer and breaking with self-hatred. Yeah. The big one, breaking with yeah. self-hatred. Like, can you describe what that was like? Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember I was doing an inner healing prayer session with her, and I remember she was just facilitating a conversation between me and, and Jesus, and she prompted me to ask him, like, what would it look like, or like, essentially, like, what would happen if I choose to not break with self-hatred today? Because it was a choice. It wasn't something that was going to be, that was going to be forced on me, and I felt like Jesus responded in saying, you are just going to continue to turn from one form of self-destruction to another. And to finally feel secure enough in the people who were around me and like those relationships. And then also in getting to know the heart of God and knowing that if I choose to do this thing, that feels really scary. Cause self-hatred has in a lot of ways was still a form of self-protection. Like if I keep, if it's familiar, it's comfortable. And like, there have been coping mechanisms there that have been somewhat functional, at least temporarily, like we talked about. Um, but if I'm going to choose to step or like choose to like break, break with self-hatred, then, um, like I am also choosing to like set down the set down the sort of like self-sabotage and self-destruction and then to ask like, what am I going to get in return? And to know that there is going to be like the delight of the father and to get to begin to experience that. And even just like the little glimpses of the little glimpses of what I experienced in like the day-to-day -day freedom that I was getting um, to get to experience that so much more because I wasn't carrying like not carrying the burden of self-hatred allowed gave made space in my heart to be able to like hang on to something else and to begin to like plant my stake in something else. And what was that something else? I think it was, I mean, it, it was like at the conference that you and I went to the knowing that like the delight of being my daddy's girl and like to actually get to put that on Cause it, uh, I, those two, like the inner healing prayer and that conference happened like within the same couple, like month or so. I would like think, so did you move in with Jess in the fall of 2017? It was, 
Yeah, it was fall. It was like right around the same time as the conference. In- so I'm going to back up just a little bit for because I'm trying to even remember the timeline. So in the spring of 2017 was when you realized that living as a man was like not working for you. Right. And yeah. Th- that can you just tell the story of how Jesus started whispering to you to come back? As yeah. As- um. I was, um, yeah, it was winter, spring of, um, 2017 and I, um, was about to go to law school. I'd gotten a full ride and was about to go, um, and start in the fall. Um, and the day I was supposed to accept the scholarship, Jesus, I felt like I was open to hearing the voice of God again. And I felt like he said to turn down the scholarship And the next day after I turned it down, I felt like he asked me just, why are you settling for your brokenness? Um, And it was in just even being prompted and asked that I, I think I realized that not feeling something and not addressing something isn't the same as truly being healed. Like it felt like healing because I wasn't feeling negative emotions and negative things again, but I was just avoiding Um, and so I started to really dig into, um, I found John and Stacey Eldridge's, um, a lot of their resources and just started to dig into their content on just heart level healing and core desires, um, of like core desires of our hearts and was shocked at how much I resonated with all of that. And so I realized that, or began to realize that the desires that were truly there were like, I started to, the fact that I resonated with them so much, like wanting to be delighted in, like who doesn't want to be delighted in, but recognizing that it was normal. It wasn't me being overly needy or whatever, like this negative script that I had attached to it, having that begin to be rewritten to be like, no, it is a good need to want to be delighted in. It's so, and we're wired to want, we're wired for delight. And to start having those scripts rewritten in my head, it's like, oh, this is, this is what this is. I think it began. um, So I began to dig into all of their stuff and just like felt like it was giving language to the deeper things that I really didn't have a grid for as yeah, I just like didn't feel like I had a huge grid for them. Um, and so then I ended up, um, I felt like God asked me to go to their women's conference. Um, that was that fall. And that's the conference that you and I had gone to. And so I had about six months to continue pressing into these things. And um, it was that summer like we, that you stopped taking hormones. Yeah, it was July of. And then we went in October, I believe. Yeah, that sounds right. So, and then I, at that same, I think it was October, I think it was maybe right after the conference or right before the conference. That's when I moved into um, like the kind of like the intentional community discipleship house. Yeah. It's so cool that God provided that for you because I don't see how you could have healed if you were living alone at that time. No, you are an introvert and you do live alone now and you love your alone time and your alone space. And God made you as an introvert, I believe. Yeah. Part of your wiring. But in that period of time in your life, you needed a community of women to come alongside you and love you, not in a, not in a boundaryless way or in an unhealthy and meshed way, but in a sister 
gently like nurturing maternal even kind of yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to think of how my heart was like so deeply wounded in relationship, like the place that it was going to find healing was in relationship. And you can't find that when you're, yeah, it's like, it was just like, I was forced in, in like the best way, like forced into it, um, almost like a crash course because there was, it was, it went from, it was just like, I was constantly surrounded by people who wanted to like, love me well. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> well, and even that conference, the captivating yeah. conference that we went to, that was like, that was like a little slice of heaven. I mean, God was yeah. just so clearly in so many ways, so many different times throughout that entire weekend. It was so sacred. Yeah. Yeah. So. So your journey just of healing really started to accelerate at that point in time. And then was it 2018 that you moved to Indiana or 2019? 2018. So 2018, you guys, this is the such a joy is that Heather moved down to Indianapolis. So she lives near us. And so we get to spend our holidays together and have Sunday dinners on a regular basis. Like we just, the funny thing you guys is we're actually in the same house right now, but we have to use Zoom to record this episode for microphone purposes. So Heather's actually in my house in another room right now. We just had a sp big spaghetti dinner. Heather's become part of our family. Like my kids adore her. Um, and so I've gotten to watch this process and it has not slowed down in terms of like God revealing his heart for you yeah. and continuing to layer, layer after layer, bring healing to your heart and to your life. So for those of you listening, if you're like, how long does this take when you're in the acute, you remember the acute pain of the early stages of recovery. I just always like to stop and be like, listen, listen, folks, this is not, you're not going to be in acute pain forever. Right. I mean, sometimes we hit potholes in our recovery journey and we have to deal with the deep pain of stuff that we couldn't deal with in the past because we didn't have the coping skills, but your life is so different in terms of your hope and mm -hmm. your joy and your ability to know what you need. And it's been like, um, I mean, it's not a bed of roses, right? It's not easy in this world. We have troubles, but yeah. your life is so completely different now. And I mean, I see how you love yourself now. I see it. I see the radiating joy in your, in your eyes and on your face. Um, just would love to hear a little bit more about what Jesus is speaking to you and teaching you lately. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the last, I think the last year, um, I was, I guess year and a half, maybe, um, I feel like he asked me to step away from a lot of obligations. And so those were things like a lot of extra, um, extra church things, extra work things, extra, like I was in school and he asked me, like, I felt like it was time to stop be like, um, stop my program. And he, I feel like he was really teaching me truly what it meant to find rhythms of rest um, and almost he recalibrated my baseline for what a rested heart feels like, like, cause even, even in the midst of like the first 
five years of my like recovery journey and healing journey, I like I didn't have capacity for there were there were so many things I didn't have capacity for. And I think in um in stepping back from a lot of things and making more space in the last year and a half, it was almost like some time to start digging away some things that were like buried very deep in the closet of my heart to be like, okay, like, let's talk about these now. Um, And so, but in doing so, he taught me how to be rested. He taught me how to um, like the, there's a ver. um, Gosh, I can't remember. It's Psalm 23. He leads me besides um, streams of what he restores my soul and just like learning. It's like, okay, what does it mean to follow in his footsteps into those like green pastures and to like really, truly learn what it feels like to have like my cup overflow. Um, And I, but to get there, it was these peeling back the layers of being okay with being alone and being okay. Like almost like the things that make my heart feel restless and anxious. It was like, we have to go there because going, going there and going through them is where you're going to find that like true heart level rest. And so I feel like, um, yeah, it's just been going, like going much deeper and into much bigger levels of, um, healing and peace than I like even knew existed. So that's amazing. How has that happened? Like any kind of tools or, or modalities that other listeners could listen that are here listening could like, you know, utilize or look at like any books, podcasts, any therapies Mm -hmm. or inner healing prayers or any, any kind of tangible things that people could apply in their um, your personal favorite, or maybe one of yours, non-dominant hand journaling <laughs> that as much as I I've never talked about that on the podcast, why? No, I know it's silly, but why is non-dominant hand journaling powerful? I don't remember all of the science you've told me about it, but for me, it no helps. Science. I don't really know science, but what does it do for you? Um, yeah. it helps the young parts of my heart, the ones where that typically feel a little more unhinged at times. Um, it helps them express those raw, it helps me express raw emotions that are let and helps me be more heart focused and less like cerebral in like my journaling. Like it feel, it just helps me connect, um, and be a lot more, just be more vulnerable and more raw. Um, and I think another one of the most actually one of the most helpful things is to has been to learn how to recognize my own precursor behaviors. So what are the signal? What are the things that I start to do that are telltale signs that I'm like losing my like restedness? And for me, the two biggest ones are how I respond in traffic. Am I mad? Like, am I getting annoyed? Am I frustrated or am I like, okay with being delayed a little bit? And then how I respond to my cats at home. Am I annoyed with them or am I okay with them just being like, that's just their cats. Like they're going to do things that are annoying. And so am I like, those are the two most obvious signs that I'm like, okay, something in my heart is not taken care of. When did I start to notice myself feeling this way? 
what happens around there? What am I like, did I not sleep well? Did something happen at work? Did I get reminded of something hard with my family? Like whatever it is, um, or have I just not been connected to people that I love recently? And so kind of identifying what happens in the last week, two weeks, whatever, and then doing something really practical to also help get those needs met. Um, but yeah, recognizing the precursors has been hugely a huge self, like just like learning process and self-awareness, but then also knowing how to, knowing how to ask to and like figure out what ask needs to happen to help get my needs met. That reminds me of that list you were sharing with me, the needs. Yeah. Still have that pulled up. Yeah, I do. Background. Because yeah, if you could share that, like learning to figure out what are my legitimate needs yeah, and what are, how, what are legitimate ways and healthy ways for me to get these needs met is a huge foundation of good recovery. Correct. So you want to share about that more? Yeah. So my dear friend, um, Lori Krieg, who is, uh, she has a whole ministry. She's, she's based in Michigan. Um, she came up with this list of core needs, um, that I have found to be hugely helpful. Um, and so the list that she has is of to our, our core needs as humans in our hearts are to be affirmed, delighted in desired, included, loved, noticed, nurtured, protected, purposed, and rested. And so usually when I, I, I'll even just pull up this list um, if I feel like I am struggling and use it as a prompt to be like, when was the last time I felt affirmed by God, by others, by myself? Um, When was the last time I felt delighted in? When was the last time I felt desired? And to kind of go through this internal checklist um, or to journal about it and be like, God, I really, my heart is really just longing for this. And acknowledging the, and even just acknowledge, acknowledging sitting in and honoring the unmet need and the things that were lost. Like for me, being nurtured is a huge, it feels like there is no meeting that need fully. But when I, I am so much more okay with acknowledging that I'm like longing for nurturing, feeling the sadness that comes along with that, moving through it connecting with someone about it and being like, wow, like I am just like really longing for nurturing. And like, I just really wish X, Y, and Z would be true, but it's not yet. And like kind of learning how to communicate about it and how to sit in it. And then all of a sudden, like this feeling that I thought was going to be so overwhelming has passed. And like, it's not that like it never existed, but it's like lost its control over my, it's lost its control over my joy. Wow. Um, that is huge. That's amazing. I know some people are going to be listening to this and, and, and thinking, I want that. How do I get that? (laughs) Right? Like, is there a pill? Is there, (laughs) there, no, this is hard work. You guys. I mean, I've been there with Heather as she's felt like the pain was going to suck her under. Yeah. I've felt like that too, many times in my life. And honestly, I think one of the greatest sources of overwhelming pain long-term is feeling like we have to just feel that stuff and be alone in it. And even though a friend, a safe friend, um, 
a safe recovery person in your life cannot take away the pain. If they can identify in themselves, I understand what that feels like and it sucks and they can validate and then you feel felt. It does take the edge off. And I think the more you do, you use healthy connection with people who get it over time and you receive the care and the nurture from those safe people, the more we learn how to give that safe nurture to ourselves. And the more we realize that those intense emotions like grief or anger are like waves of an ocean. And it feels like they're going to suck you under. But if you just kind of buoy, right? Like when the wave comes and you just jump a little bit and like, let it, let it pass. It does pass. Yeah. Right. And over time, some of these strategies you're talking about can be very powerful. So we've talked about the non-dominant hand journaling, recognizing your core needs, recognizing the attitudes and behaviors that are a sign that you're kind of like headed into a not so good place emotionally. What are some other strategies, books, tools that you've used um, in your healing journey that have been effective for you? Mm. I'm trying to, I mean, I want the, okay. So the next thing that comes to mind is I remember having to grieve a a lot about even just the transitioning process and like all, all of the things that came with that. And I ended up writing myself a letter of amends and it was like, like me as a trans person writing to me now saying essentially i like i'm sorry for what i did and i'm i see how that has affected you and kind of and i think the that was transformational for me in that specific circumstance but i think the letter of like that process of making amends even and it's part of so like it's part of the recovery process but um for me, because self-hatred was such a, such a huge barrier for me and such a huge like thing to be worked through. Um, I was like, I've, that has become almost like a repeated process when I need it. And so if I do something being like, wow, like I am going to write, like kind of apologize and forgive myself at the same time to let myself off the hook. And so, so, and I think for me, because self-hatred was so powerful, but like, that's another tool that has been really helpful for me in um, not dwelling on the moments and things that have brought me shame. And then I know um, there have been so many times where I've like written about it and I'm like, oh, I'm never going to, I'm like going to dwell on this like letter to myself forever. And I'm like, I don't remember that one. Or I was able to rip it up and throw it away. Or I read it a couple of times. I cried for three hours. And every time I read it, it stings less and less and less. And so I think it's finding the tools that prompt your heart into sensitivity and tenderness. And that's going to there's going to be things that are the same for everyone, but I think there's going to be things that are like unique to people where they are in their journeys as well. I just thought of another thing I know you use to like um, continue in your recovery journey. um, And that is um, like healthy relationship with exercise, right? Like, I mean, 
everybody's going to like different things, but I do think that trauma is stored in our bodies, right? So getting to move, getting to sweat, getting to challenge yourself and, and get in your body instead of um, like all in your head. That's a huge part of your like self-love, right? And yeah. Yeah, And actually I even, um, it is the space where I feel like I have permission to I still struggle with like allowing myself to feel angry and it is the space where anger comes up freely. And so it's been a weird trying to figure out how to do that, but it has been so helpful. And because anger is like, for me is an emotion where it feels like I'm like a bad Christian if I feel angry at somebody. Um, and so when it, it like gives me a space to come up where I can't really like filter it, it just comes up more raw Um, and so it's even been really helpful in just like learning how to feel an emotion that I typically am uncomfortable feeling. So do you like lose it at the gym when you're like (laughs) throwing your throwing, throwing stuff? And (laughs) I I have thrown stuff before. I'm not proud of it, but (laughs) but sometimes you're supposed to like, yeah. So, um, but like, so it just, yeah. So, but like, it's, it's like a normal place to get that, to feel this feeling that feels off limits. And so, um, yeah, it just like uh, gives me permission to feel something that is, yeah, that is often scary. That's awesome. Um, so what do you feel like, um, if you, if there's somebody who's listening right now and they're in that place of hopeless despair over whether it's their, their unwanted sexual behavior um, their identity, their self-acceptance. What what would you want them to know that you wished you could have communicated to your younger self? Ooh, um, I mean, there's a lot of things. I I wish I knew more quickly how. Like the, mm, I don't know. I don't know. That's a really hard one to answer. Um, I don't think I could pick some like one specific thing or like, yeah. Or like, I don't know if I could. Yeah. Cause like, I wish I knew how much more caught up I am in my own, in like having to be productive than I think Jesus is like, he's not waiting for me to get it together so he can save the world. He's he's like so much more patient with the process. And I think I felt very rushed to be a functioning, contributing member of a church of like church community or like the broader, like kingdom mission in general. And I, I think I am the source of that pressure, not him. And so I wish I had learned that because I think I would have been much more patient in the earlier time, earlier years. Um, and I think it would have really taught me how to rest in like his truly in his delight. Cause I wasn't like, I'm not doing anything for him just and yet he loves me anyway. And I think that would have been so, yeah, I think that would have knowing that sooner could only have made things like could only make things better. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, the, the last question that I want to ask you is like, 
what has your um, experience with, this is a big one. So you're going to be like, really, Kristen, you're going to ask me this. What has been your relationship with like having to address and deal with spiritual warfare in the in the um, realm of your recovery journey? I mean, like the accuser, right? And all the role that the enemy has had in trying to steal, kill, and destroy. So yeah. what have you had to learn and what ha- how have you learned to address and deal with the warfare element? Yeah. Um, I still feel very like a novice in dealing with spiritual warfare. Um, how I notice it impacting my, I feel like he's, I mean, the enemy is like not super creative and yet I don't think he needs to be. Cause like, I think he finds for me, he finds something that feels very small and uses that to isolate until it snowballs into things that are more and more. Um, so like even recently in the last two weeks, like I have felt very just like tired from work. And then that makes my time with God feel not productive because I am trying to not fall asleep during it or like waiting for my coffee to kick in. And then I start to feel like I'm a defective Christian or I'm somehow not as good as the people who I'm like, as like the people who I love in my life, who I'm like seeing doing all of these amazing things. And I'm like, well, here I am falling asleep during my time with God. And then he uses that to say, well, wouldn't it just be easier to give up or whatever? And so it starts with something that's really small. And then that like creates this little wedge and the wedge becomes bigger and bigger and bigger until finally like the door is open for him to like, like do something more destructive or whatever. And so I think for me, it typically starts very small and very subtly. Um, and and to get you to agree with it. Yeah. Cause it's like, well, I mean, it's easier to agree with like the fact that maybe I'm a defective, like defective or not productive or whatever. It's easier to agree with that. Cause there's like a half truth to it. Cause like, I'm not perfect than it is to immediately jump in and say, well, you should just go throw in the towel in all of these ways and go like, whatever the, the big thing would be. But if you start with a small thing and then you isolate and whatever, and you have, you're not, you, that relationship is severed. That connection is severed the big things don't seem quite as big anymore. And they start to feel like, well, maybe there is logic and reason to that. So for me, like, so it, it usually starts subtly and then you agree with it. And then the agreements that you make get bigger and bigger and bigger. So. Which you've taken so much ground. I mean, like you have like taken back, the God has taken back what the enemy had stolen, right? In your yeah. life. And there's just so much. So it's like you say you're not good at it, but I think you are a ninja um, undercover because (laughs) all the ground that God has helped you take back. And I see you as an incredibly like plugged in faithful daughter of Mm -hmm. the king. And I'm so privileged to know you and to have been a witness to your journey. And I think this just the things you've shared here is are going to be so helpful for people who are in that journey too and struggling thank you for your honesty and your transparency and sharing your experience with us heather yeah it's been it's been so good to get to like finally hash this out and actually have like actually get to do this because i mean i feel like you're the person who's walked with me through i mean everything 
So it's cool to get to hash it out with you and kind of do the high level overview and recap. So thank you, Heather. Well, friends, um, if you would take a moment, if you haven't already to rate and review the living truth podcast, um, that would help so much. It would help more people have access, not just to this episode, but to all of our previous episodes. When you write those reviews and rate the podcast, we'd appreciate that so much. And until the next episode, I am holding out hope for you.